sermon series based on a line in time. We've gone back there. Let's see if I can go through it. Uh, We'll get there. Are we there? There we are. A line in time. We looked at, in particular, at the Christmas story uh, while uh, focusing on in partic- in Mary and Joseph and how the Christmas event, the birth of their baby boy, was a historical event, an international event, an eternal event. And today I want to just look at what a line in time means for us this Christmas Eve and beyond. So we'll use a familiar passage. I'm not going to read all the passage this morning. I'll flick back to it as we go. But last week I mentioned, as I drew my line in the sand with my pretend stick that somebody's nicely put away for me, um, when you draw a line in the sand and a line in time, you're virtually saying, that was then and this is now. And that's what God was saying. When his son came to this earth, when he was born as a child, God was saying, that was then, this is now. We have to listen to what he's saying. Because what happened then was, history was defined by that birth of that child. We talked about the meaning of BC and AD. BC means? And AD means? And Domini, which means the year of the Lord. So history was defined by that moment. Uh, It virtually drew a line in time. And no other single solitary event in the history of this earth has had that same effect. The world is shaped now by that event, the birth of Christ. We see people differently because of the birth of Christ. Most countries in our world, in fact there's probably billions of people today and tomorrow and the next few days that are recognising this birth event of the Christ child. That's staggering. There's no other event in the world that's recognised in a similar way. A birth of a child to an unknown couple in an obscure village almost 2,000 years ago. Can this be real? Is that how God does things? I think it is, isn't it? He takes uh, the ordinary and makes it extraordinary. That's what he's done with the birth of his son. Even some of the most disinterested people or antagonistic people towards the whole Christmas thing will still enjoy the holiday that they're given, you know, paid holiday. And they might just change the words from Merry Christmas to Happy Holiday. They're still celebrating something, but what are they celebrating? I don't think they know. We know. We know the reason for the celebration. There are some things that have stuck with us over history. Some, some words that we probably uh, identify with. You might have heard of the prodigal son or you might have heard the saying turn the other cheek or the blind leading the blind. Where did they come from, those words? Jesus. If he hadn't been born, we wouldn't have heard those words. His disciples wouldn't have heard them, he wouldn't have, they wouldn't have recorded them, so we wouldn't have those sayings. We wouldn't have sayings like do unto others as you would have them do unto you. What's that? The golden rule, isn't it? We wouldn't have that if Jesus wasn't born. And certainly we wouldn't have the dating uh, BCAD event. You know, I don't know about you, but for me sometimes it's it's hard to see the big picture. 
I tend to think in little bits. But sometimes God gives us a glimpse of the big picture. And the big picture when Jesus was born was eternity. It was putting aside what had gone before, living in the now so we might experience the future together. And that's exactly what's happened. Tremendous things have happened around the world since that birth. The big picture. So often, prior to Jesus' birth, people were colloquial. That, that means that they only focused on their local area or their local town or their local family. But since that time of Jesus' birth, there's been a global awareness of, about people and for people. So you've got organisations like the Salvation Army or Samaritan's Purse or Compassion that have the bigger picture of the world's poor and needy, of those who are suffering. That wouldn't have happened if it hadn't been for the birth of Christ. So it was a, a line in time that's affecting us today. The world today is what it is, in part because of the birth of a child 2,000 years ago in a stable or concrete feed tank, whatever you like, um, in an obscure village, in a country that was considered insignificant in the world. Yet God has made that a line in time for us to experience and to know. But Jesus didn't come to change the world. He came to change people. He came to change people's hearts. And that line that was drawn radically, if you like, on that first Christmas morning was intended to change people. Change people from moving away from God, which they had been for many centuries, to moving towards God through believing in Jesus as his Son and our Saviour. There were people that were changed immediately. We talked about them last week. Mary and Joseph were changed straight away. Not being parents to being parents. That's a major major change, isn't it? Hands up if you've experienced that. Yep, yep, most of us. For others, you may yet to experience that. Mary and Joseph's world was turned around amazingly. Matthew chapter 1 and verse 18 says this. This is how Jesus the Messiah was born. His mother Mary was engaged to be married to Joseph. But before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. The couple were engaged. That's normal, isn't it? I'd be very hesitant to say that's ordinary because most engagements aren't ordinary from what I've experienced amongst people. But God took something that was normal and did something amazing, something that they weren't expecting. The normality would have seen them go through the betrothal period, the engagement period, anticipate the wedding, and then ultimately they'd live together. But God turned it into something extraordinary, something they hadn't expected, something they were worried about because what would people think about them now that Mary was pregnant and she wasn't married yet? Then an angel shows up with an announcement that changes everything. I was uh, reading a bit of the history of the Beatles. I'm a bit of a Beatles fan, you know, the rock group, the Beatles, not the uh, little crawly insect ones. And John Lennon, one of the members of the Beatles, said this, which is uh, interesting. Life is what happens to you while you're busy making other plans. 
So what plans were Mary and Joseph busy making? Getting ready to be married. But then God stepped in and did something unique and outstanding in their life. So their lives changed. Just imagine what the news meant to Mary and Joseph. People would never view them the same again. Some say that they would always be that couple that couldn't wait until they got married. But they did, those people who said that wouldn't understand God's intervention into that relationship. But you know, last week I said, that doesn't matter. What does matter is what God thinks of them. And God thought that they were the ones that he can trust the raising of his son, the growing of his son in those early years and teenage years to the point where he would become an adult. They, they had this weight of responsibility that was theirs. Every parent has it, but for them it was enormous because it was the son of God that they were raising. God could have easily said, this is my son. He's going to save the world and I want you to take care of him. Can you hear the gulp of Mary and Joseph when God said that to them? They didn't understand, but it was an incredible responsibility. Make sure that he stays safe and healthy and bring him up knowing about me. They were God-fearing people, uh, uh, Jews who worship God daily. And so for 33 years, Mary marvelled at the son. She called Jesus and the responsibility that was given to her. So yes, they were changed dramatically. They were changed dramatically. That's what the first Christmas did. That line in time changed them. Like I said, she probably didn't understand completely what was ahead for her son. But I believe that uh, before she laid him in a borrowed manger, she was amazed at what God had asked her to do. I wonder if the same amazement or questions might have been there when she saw her son laid in a grave, a borrowed grave, as the saviour of the world. Did she fully understand? We don't know. But Mary had one response to God. When the angel asked her to do this, when the angel informed her of what was going to happen, her response was this, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. And then the angel left her. What an incredible response. She was willing to do whatever God asked her to do, even though she didn't have the full details of the plan. She was a faithful person. So the first Christmas was a significant place in the timeline for Mary and Joseph. But it also affected other people. And one of the people I wanted to look at this morning was Peter, Simon Peter. Most of us have heard of his name. Some of us have heard of towns around the world that are named after St. Peter, St. Petersburg or uh, Peterborough or other places. So he became famous because of his interaction with the Lord Jesus Christ. But that wouldn't have happened if there wasn't a line in time when Christ was born. Peter wouldn't have been the person that God wanted him to be if he hadn't have met the Lord Jesus Christ. How did Peter know that a chance encounter with this person called Jesus would change his life forever? We know that part of Peter's story was he was doing what he was always doing as a fisherman. He was out there casting the nets, dragging them in, 
seeing if they could provide enough food for their own family and what was ever left over they'd sell off and earn some income for their family. What happened that day? Matthew chapter 4 verses 18 to 20 says this. One day as Jesus was walking along the shore of the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, also called Peter, and Andrew, throwing a net into the water for they fished for a living. Jesus called out to them, Come, follow me, and I will show you how to fish for people. And they left their nets at once and followed him. And if you know the story about Peter, and I'm sure most of us have read it, over the next three years, Peter would become one of Jesus' closest friends. That wouldn't have happened if Christmas hadn't happened, if Jesus hadn't been born. We wouldn't have heard about Peter. Certainly wouldn't have known his story. Remember, it was Peter who was first clued into the fact that Jesus was not just an ordinary man. There was something special about him. He was more than just a teacher or a prophet. Peter could detect that. He could see that. It was Peter who walked on the water with Jesus in a storm. It was Peter who said he would die for Jesus before he ever deserted him. And sadly, it was Peter who denied Jesus the night that Jesus needed him the most. Peter discovered something. Peter discovered that the truth isn't that Jesus isn't looking for people who will die for him. He was looking for people who will live for him. And the same is still true today. Jesus isn't looking for people who will die for him. He's looking for people who will live for him. What did he say to Peter in Matthew chapter 16 and verse 18? Now I say to you that you are Peter, which means rock, and upon this rock I'll build my church and all the powers of hell will not conquer it. Jesus wanted Peter to live. He wanted Peter to live and be the person that could influence the world towards faith in Jesus. And he did. He did that. Because Jesus was born, Peter went being from a fisherman to the very foundational leader of the church of Jesus Christ. He wasn't rich, he wasn't perfect, but he was willing. He was willing to do what God asked him to do. There was another person, we don't really know her name, but many of us who've read the Gospels uh, would not forget her story. She had done what she never thought she should do, she would be capable of doing. She broke her marriage vows and then got caught with another man. The best that she could hope for would be a public divorce and humiliation. The worst case scenario would be that her husband would insist on her death, which he would be entitled to according to the laws of the day. Now, Some of you know this story in John's Gospel. It's where we get the phrase, cast the first stone from. It's about the woman caught in adultery. And I think, in a way, she represents all of us. The, 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 the one who is sinful, who have disobeyed God, not necessarily in the same way. But do you know that Christmas is a timeline that changes our world? It did for her, it did for Peter, it did for Mary and Joseph, and it does for us too. Christmas changes our world. You do realise, don't you, that even though we like the tinsel and the trees and the gifts and all the fun part about Christmas, Jesus didn't come just to give us Christmas, you know. He came to give us, gave us life. He came to 
tell us the way that we would be acceptable to our Heavenly Father. It wasn't just about Christmas. Matthew chapter 1, verses 20 and 21 said this. This is Joseph. He gave Joseph a message through an angel. As he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, Do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit. And she will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. We know that verse so well. When Jesus was an adult, he defined his purpose and mission in life this way. Luke chapter 19 verse 10 says, For the Son of Man came to seek and to save those who are lost. I wonder if this Christmas, seeing that we're at Christmas Eve, if this Christmas will be a recognition of a line in time for you, for your friends, for your family, to come back to that main reason for Christmas, God's plan to show us what he's really like and God's desire that we would turn in obedience to him and live his way rather than living our way. A lot of people in our world don't know that that's the way God created us. He created us with a, with a longing within that we might know him as Heavenly Father, as the Creator God. Uh, Solomon, in his wisdom, wrote a verse in Ecclesiastes, chapter 3, which says this, verse 11. Yet God has made everything beautiful, beautiful for its own time. He has planted eternity in the human heart. But even so, people cannot see the whole scope of God's work from beginning to end. Isn't that an amazing verse? God has planted eternity in the human part. If you want to get technical about it, you might say it's in our DNA. It's in our DNA to know the Creator God. Everyone in the world, everybody who's born, everybody who will be born, God has planted eternity in the human heart. We don't understand it, we don't recognise it, but we can get a glimpse of it and we can certainly have the hope for it when we put our faith in Jesus as Lord and Saviour. And that's exactly what Christmas can be for every person who desires to connect with their Creator God, to have a relationship with God. It could be that line in time for them because he sent his son as a child to bridge that gap, to bridge that chasm between sinful man and a holy God. It's an amazing story, isn't it? Just not about a baby. It's certainly about everything that Jesus came to do. Before I finish, I want to reflect back to the story about the woman caught in adultery. Maybe you know the story. She's brought to uh, Jesus by the religious leaders of the day. There didn't seem to be any doubt concerning her guilt, but they tried to get him to... They tried to trick him in his response to what they were asking of him. And that day... When her guilt was beyond question, Jesus offered her two gifts. Then we're thinking about Christmas, gift giving, gift receiving. But Jesus offered her two gifts which I don't think we always recognise. In John chapter 8 verse 7, we have this verse as part of that story. Jesus had crouched down on the ground. He was scratching something in the dirt with his finger. Uh, Some Bible commentators think that he might have been listing off all the sins of the religious leaders around him. We're not sure about that. 
that's probably a little bit of interpretation there. But this is what happened. They kept demanding an answer. So he stood up, Jesus stood up again and said, all right, but let the one who has never sinned throw the first stone. We know what happened, don't we? No one. No one stood up. No one cast a stone. And then later on in in chapter 8, we read verses 10 and 11. Then Jesus stood up again and said to the woman, Where are your accusers? Didn't even one of them condemn you? No, Lord, she said. And Jesus said, Neither do I. Go and sin no more. What were the two gifts that Jesus gave to that woman today? Or that day? Because there was Christmas, because he'd come to the world to show us what God was like, he was able to say to this woman, you have the gift of forgiveness from past sin. Isn't that a gift that we all long for? Isn't that the thing that the devil on our shoulder reminds us that we're not good about because of all the bad things we've done in the past? And yet we know through God's presence and his Holy Spirit within, we are forgiven from those things in the past. That was a great gift that he gave that day, wasn't it? But it wasn't the greatest gift because he went on to say, "Can go and sin no more. You see, the greatest gift that Jesus gave to that lady that day was a gift for a new future. It was a gift for a new future that was free from the past. The past was forgiven and in God's sight forgotten. And so she had an opportunity to start life anew. And that's the gift that we are offered as well. Gift of sins and disobedience from the past and the gift of a new future walking in tune with God. That all happens because that line in time when Jesus was born. It wasn't just an isolated incident 2,000 years ago. The event of Jesus' birth affects the world, has affected the world for the last 2,000 years and will continue to do so. If people would just realise that it's a line in time for every one of their lives. You see, the challenge isn't to keep Christ in Christmas, it's to keep Christ out of Christmas and into the world. That the world might know something of this eternity that God has placed in every person's heart. That the world might know something of the gift that Jesus wants to give. The gifts, actually, that Jesus wants to give. I wonder for you, does understanding that line in time of Christmas make a difference for you? When you understand that Jesus grew to be a man who taught about God and lived God before people, does that make a difference to you? That he died on the cross, he rose from the dead. Does that make a difference for you? That's the choice that each of us has to make. I started by saying a line in the sand, but really I'm talking about a line in in time. That was then. This is now. Will Christmas be a line in time for you this year? As you spend it with your families, as you spend it with your friends, will it be a line in time which says, yes, God, thank you for what you did for me. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for being my saviour. Help me to tell other people about you as well. I trust it will be a line in time for you. Let's pray. Dear Father, we thank you that the story is old but true. The story is concrete, it's foundational in our faith. 
in knowing the true and living God. We thank you that today we're reminded again that because you sent your son Jesus, people's lives have been changed. Not just, not just the ones that we've heard about in the scriptures, but we know that many of our lives have been changed too. And people before us who have prayed for us and encouraged us to find faith in Jesus, their lives were changed as well because you sent your son, the Lord Jesus. Lord, we do pray for our friends and our families that are not following Jesus right now. We pray that this Christmas be another place where they might consider a line in time and reconsider the Lord Jesus and who he is and what he's done for them. Reconsider their response of how they'll uh, choose to follow Jesus or not. Father, we ask that you might give us opportunities uh, to share with them, to talk with them, to encourage them and to point them to Jesus. Father, thank you that we can celebrate this day and all that you have planned as we worship you today. We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Bob and the team. Can we have our singers back, please? Um, how's the urn? Is it turned on? <laughs>